So this is how we get things done. Over the next number of weeks here at the bridge, I'm going to be talking to you about us. I'm going to talk to you a little bit. I'm going to be identifying us. I'm going to be in the process of, of just communicating how it is that we do what we do, why we do it, and uh, where we see it taking us. So it's going to be sort of clarity of vision over the next really six weeks, including today. And today is just an introduction of the new series. We're launching a new series here today, and it's called Being Us. We had just spent six weeks talking about what it means to be you. That was the sermon series through the summer months. It was being you. And we went through the shape profile where we looked at our spiritual gifts, we looked at our heart or our passions, we looked at our abilities, we looked at our personality, and we looked at the experiences that God superintended into our life and how he's created passion in our lives related to those experiences. And so we've spent a good period of time talking about you. We wanted to help you in the identification process to know that God has built you for something. He's designed you for a destiny. And so if you're interested and you haven't yet listened to those messages for whatever reason, just go back and check those out because they're very empowering as to how God has designed you. But for the next six weeks, it's going to be about us collectively. What does it mean? What does it mean to be the bridge? What has God intended for the existence of the bridge? As different from even other churches that are not that far away. So being you, yes, but being us even more so. We can't fully be ourselves until we have somehow connected in the context of something greater than ourselves. We can't do that. And so we are not to live life singularly, but in the plural. Life is not a solo act, it's actually, it's, it's a group thing. It's a community thing. And so to understand who you are without somehow integrating your understanding of that in the context of who we all are together, it would be a waste. So you were created for community, you need a church family, and the only way you can fully be you is in the context of being us. Jesus himself makes the statement, he says, look, in order to truly find yourself, you need to lose yourself. And what he meant by that is you, you need to come to a place where you see yourself in the context of something greater than you, and it's in the context of that thing that is greater than you that you actually have a few aha moments where you begin to see who it is that God has created you to be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be sharing five descriptors as to who we are. And, and when I am talking to you about who we are, it's really gonna answer the question, how do we fulfill the will of God here at the bridge? So today is an introduction, and then I'm going to take each one of these descriptors and I'm going to break them down week after week after week through the remainder of this series, right up until I think it's the 15th of October. 
So one of the first descriptors or one of the first things that I want to say about we who are the church is that we are called by God to center our lives around him. So one of the things that we do as us is we come together, we gather. I have shared with you many, many, many times that we're a church that gathers, groups, gives, and goes. And we gather together for the purpose of centering our lives. Life can be incredibly fragmented. Life can be very, very distracting. Uh, throughout any given week, you can be pulled in a thousand different directions, it would seem. And yet the beauty of church in a community, the beauty of church in your family, the beauty of church right here in the midst of this part of the world is that, is that we, have, we have a place and a space to come to where we can center. The whole purpose of the Sabbath is that we would center, that we would come back to God after having had a week of whatever. We can come back to God, and God always makes sense of what we have just encountered by a week. So each week, we come together and we gather. And I want to just declare to you that every Sunday is important. Every single Sunday. We, do, we don't mail it in here at the bridge. No Sunday is a mail-in. In other words, there's no Sunday where there hasn't been intention and work and design and purpose that has been exercised. Every Sunday is important. And I know sometimes we have a laissez-faire attitude about coming to church, but I want to encourage you that God has something for you 52 weeks a year. Now I know, I know we all vacation and we do what we do, where we go, so on and so forth, and, and I understand all of that. I do the same thing, I get away. But when you're in town and Sunday morning is, is coming, I'm hoping and I'm praying that you're hoping and praying towards that Sunday and, and you're looking forward to something from God in the context of us. That's what I'm hoping and I'm praying for. So we center our life around God. And God didn't put you on this earth to live a self-centered life. His purpose for you is to build your life with him at the very core. And we talk about this over and over again here at the bridge. No one stands alone. We live out our lives in the context of us. So how can you tell when Christ is at the very center of your life? Whenever you focus your life on God, it's called worship. Whenever you center your life on God, it's called worship. And worship is the antidote for fractured living. Worship is the antidote for worry and anxiety. Worship is meant to be an activity that, that draws your attention to none other than the one who created you. Worship is essential. When are we supposed to worship? We might ask that question. Well, the Bible says you have six days to do your work, but the seventh day of each week is holy because it belongs to me. And no matter where you live, you must rest and you must come together in a context of worship. And God says, I want you to regularly Come together and refocus, recalibrate, and reset.
center your life on me. Where do we do this? In the Bible, there's a book that informs the norm, if I might say. This book called the Book of Acts informs the norm related to who we are to be as the church. It tells us what's to be normal in the life of the church. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they worship together regularly at the temple courts. So we take our lead from scripture. And we notice that in it, the, the idea of the courts is plural. And why is it plural? Because there were so many, there were over 100,000 members of the church in the city of Jerusalem. And so they used to break up and they would meet in various courts, various spaces and places in order to worship and focus on God. What is the purpose of this property that we built. It's to facilitate worship. And what is the purpose of worship? The purpose of worship is to celebrate the one who has created us. So we celebrate God. Worship is not to be a funeral, but it's to be a festival. So when we come together, we come together to feast upon the Lord Jesus Christ and to be nourished in him. It's the celebration of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if you figured it out or not, but, but we really enjoy celebrating here at the bridge. We like to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So we're called to gather together to celebrate for the purpose of centering our lives upon God. It's one of the things that God's called us to do here at the bridge. So the church not only helps me center on God through celebration, but it also helps me to connect with other believers. And so we connect with other believers. We celebrate and we connect. The connecting is what we call groups here at the bridge, grouping. And you heard Jeff say that if you're only here for the gathering, you're only experiencing but a small percentage of all that God has for you in the kingdom. And we see groups in that same text out of Acts. It says they met regularly in the temple courts, but it also says they met in each other's homes. And so we have some 50 groups that are meeting in homes throughout the GTA. And we have people that are enjoying meals together and caring for each other and learning from scripture together and, and even doing mission or ministry together. And so we do life together. My own personal life group is a men's group and I'm looking forward to next Wednesday night when we reconvene after the summer and we get together as men once again and we encourage each other in, in the word of God and we encourage each other through the challenges of life. The Bible says Christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected to each other. So we celebrate in our gatherings, but we connect in our groups. The next verse in your, you'll see on, on the screen 
on the sides here is the body we're talking, we're talking about is Christ's body. It's his people who recognize him as Lord. And each of us find our meaning and functioning as part of that body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we, we don't amount to much. It's, it's in our context of being a part of the body or the family of God together that we can do great things. And you sort of saw a witness of that even today with these beautiful people who were on the stage with me just minutes ago. They're a people who, without them, we never would have gotten to the place where we are today. Did you know that the Department of Health did a study and discovered that if you isolate yourself from others and you don't develop close friendships, like in a small group, you are three times more likely to experience an early death. You're four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout. You're five times more likely to be clinically depressed. And you're 10 times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or psychosomatic illness. So for your own mental health and for the safety of others and for the wellness of the society in which we live in, we need to find ourselves in the context of intimate groupings. And the bridge provides these intimate contexts. It's so important to us to have this. So the Bible says in 1 John, the person who loves God must also love other believers. And there's some 56 verses in the New Testament alone that tell us what we're supposed to do with each other. And in the context of the gathering, we can't approximate those 56 things. But in the context of a gathering and groups, we can fulfill the 56 commands of our Lord Jesus Christ and the summation or the sum total of those 56 things are all about the way in which we love each other the way in which we love each other. So in this thing that we have called faith, we are not called to just love on God in an isolated manner. The Bible says you cannot say that you love God without also loving and engaging with those that he loves. So being in an intimate group is something that we believe is God's will for your life. The Bible says first they gave themselves to the Lord and then by God's will they gave themselves to us. Keyword, they gave themselves to us as well. The Apostle Paul, for as great as he was, he was a team player. He was a team player. He never thought of himself as on a pedestal. He never thought of himself as special. He never thought of himself as somehow set and apart from. The apostle Paul, for as amazing a leader as he has been in the church of God, and even today we refer to his teachings through the scriptures, as true as all of that is, he was always ministering in the context of a group. He was always in a team. And so this is so important for us here. We do everything, and Pastor Karen shared it, we do everything in team, right? So what does this commitment look like? Well, we join ourselves to the bridge through choosing to belong. And here's what I want to say to you. I want to say this, and I can say it authentically. There are a lot of good churches in the area. There isn't just the bridge. There are a lot of good churches. Just, just a kilometer down the road, 
there is a great church called Unionville Alliance with a great pastor, Daniel Mills, the brother of our Samuel Mills. And it's a great church. Just, you go go down the other way on 16th Avenue, just hang a left at 9th line, and you'll see Cornerstone, a great community church with a great pastor, Pastor Andrew. Go straight up Kennedy, go north up on Kennedy up to Stouffville Road, and you'll run into Springvale Baptist Church. And Pastor Ed there is giving tremendous leadership, another great church, all with like a different flavor. Where were we through coming out of COVID? We were in another great church called the Olive Branch, just over there on Markham Road behind the brick. We were there for about a year and a half. Another great church with a great pastor, Pastor Ken. So there's no lack of good churches. But here's the deal, what God wants you to do is he wants you to identify with one of them. And he wants you to make that your church. And he wants you to to hear his call and his calling related to that church. And he wants you to grow in that church. And he wants you to fulfill his will in and through that church. And he wants you to get involved in the mission of that church and in the ministry of that church. And he wants you to share in what it takes for the church to be the church. Whether it be using your gifts or even your funds. God wants you to localize what has happened to you by way of faith. And that is, he wants you to join or to become a member, organically speaking, of a body, of a family. He wants you to localize it. He wants you to identify with it. And he wants you not to be consumeristic, but he wants you to be a giver. And he wants you, when that church is going through difficulty, he wants you to be with them through thick and thin. I can tell you 100% that Pastor Andrew, Pastor Ed, Pastor Ken, Pastor Daniel, that none of them have any interest in the bridge people exiting or an exodus from the bridge during a difficult time. They're not interested in that. They're interested in building their church through the reaching out to a community of unchurched individuals who don't yet know God. All of these wonderful churches are going to go through periods of difficulty, changes of leadership, changes of ministry and program, but what every one of those churches, their leadership teams and those pastors want is a body that will through thick and thin stick it out to that next level of victory in Jesus Christ. That's what they want. I meet with these pastors, by the way. We talk to each other, we share with each other. We're even measurably accountable to each other related to how we are the church in this part of the world, and we love each other. And so, it's so important that we actually identify with and join a church to the degree that we are with that body through thick and through thin. 
C.S. Lewis once wrote an essay on church membership reminding us that the word membership is a, a Christian origin, but it has been taken over by the world and emptied of its original meaning. Today, most people associate the term membership with paying dues, with meaningless rituals, silly rules and handshakes and having your name on some dusty roll. But Paul, however, he had a very different image of membership and Paul saw membership as this opportunity for each of us to bring it and to bring ourselves and to become a part of the us while being who it is that God has created us to be. Jesus said your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So my church family helps me center on God in worship, which is the gathering, and it helps me connect with other believers on a regular basis, which is the grouping, and then thirdly, it helps me cultivate spiritual maturity, which is the growth. So I have just added another G to our four Gs. We now are officially a 5G church. It happens. God doesn't want you to remain as a spiritual baby. The third purpose of of why we exist as a church is that every single one of us would grow up. We're all in the process of growing up. I, your pastor, I am in the process of growing up. It's a lifelong pursuit to grow up. And it's my job and it's the job of our pastors, and it's the job of our lay leaders, and it's even your job by way of a contribution to actually be involved in investing in the growth of everyone around you. The Bible has a word for the process, and it's called growth, and it's called discipleship. And discipleship is the promise of growth from a spiritual baby to a spiritual giant. It's your ability to face whatever life comes your way with an unaltered view of God, with an unwavering faith. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, talking about growth and how we all contribute to each other's growth, and it says so that even when the winds come and when the waves come and when when life is topsy-turvy, we stand firm, number one, because we're not alone, but number two, because we have grown. Growth is one of the reasons we exist as the bridge, and how can we grow? Well, we're offering you a Discover Spiritual Maturity, a class here at the bridge. We're offering you Alpha, Alpha is a wonderful ministry that we offer here at the bridge. We're offering you seasonal groups. We call them groups to get unstuck. And we find ourselves at times in life in a place and or a world of hurt and seasonal groups help you move on and through that pain. And then there's life groups. It's just the dailiness of life that we share together and we face challenges together, we pray together, we grow together. And then of course in ministry, ministry is always a context for growth. So this next verse gives us how they grew in the Bible. It says those who believed, that's the first thing that you do is you believe, then they were baptized and that means they identified with Christ and with the church. And then they joined with the other believers and committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. What was the apostles' teaching? It was the Bible. 
And the New Testament was written by the apostles, and it says they worshiped together regularly at the temple courts. They met in small groups in homes for communion, and they shared their meals with great joy. So to grow, I need that large group worship, but I also need that small group fellowship. So we center our lives around God. That means we gather, we connect with each other in community. That means we group and we cultivate maturity through learning. And that means we grow. So we gather, we group, and we grow. And now fourth, my fourth point is we contribute something back. We give. We give. God did not put you on this earth just to live for yourself, but he wants you to make the world a better place. And we we teach you through discover your purpose or discover your ministry that he has shaped you in order to give, in order to sacrifice towards something greater than yourself. And the Bible says God has made us what we are and he's given us new lives in Christ. Long ago he planned that we should spend these lives helping others. Here's the secret. God doesn't want you to do it on your own. He wants you to do it with other people. It says we work together as partners who belong to God. We do it together. Two are better than one, the scriptures tell us. This is what ministry is. I went around this morning and I just went into the children's wing and I went into where the connections are taking place and I went into where the ministry booths are and and I, I just said to the people who were there, thank you for your contribution. Thank you for sharing your gifts. Thank you for your ministry. And it's our job with each other to recognize where people are serving amongst us. The Bible says that pastors are here to equip the members for their ministry. I'm not the minister of this church, you are. Every person who loves the Lord is a minister. Church is not attendance. Certainly it's a gathering, but it's not attendance. It's so much bigger than that. And it's not just receiving, it's giving. And it's in the giving that you ultimately end up mysteriously receiving. So the Bible says, keep busy in your work for the Lord since you know that nothing you do in the Lord's service is ever useless. It's not in vain. And now I'll take you to my last point. A church helps me communicate God's message. A life message that he has put into me and he has put into you. And the Bible says, through Christ, God made peace between us and himself. Then God gave us the work of telling everybody about the peace that we can have with him. And he gave us this message of peace. So we have been sent to speak for Christ. We, you and I together, are called to go. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, as you go, go, teaching everyone the very principles, the very life instruction that I've given you, share it with everyone. 
Make disciples of all people, Jesus said. So we're called to go into our world and make connections and connect dots for the world as to why we have the faith that we have. I had a situation this week on the golf course. I tell a lot of stories about me on the golf course. I want you to know I don't golf every day. I just want you to know that. But Friday is my day off, and I found myself on the golf course this week, and, and one of the members of our church brought a friend of his out to, to play, and this poor guy, he didn't know what I do for a living, so he was cussing up a storm. And, and, uh, and it was an interesting round, and it came around to the, like, the 13th hole, and uh, as we were at the 13th hole, he just looks at me, and it was that, that moment of truth, and he just said to me, so, what is it that you do for a living? <laughs> That's always a moment, you know? And, and I just looked right at him. I said, I, I pastor a church in Markham. Well, you know, we had a moment of silence. <laughs> and, and then there was a moment of confession. There was that moment where he said, I am so sorry. I have been cussing up a storm. And I said, man, have you ever, you know? Uh, but, but we got past the discomfort of that moment and we got into more of the question of like, how in the world did you, did you get into that? How, how is it that you got into that? That's always the joy. That's always the joy. And I, I wonder if that's ever asked of you, like how in the world, like how in the world did you get into that? This thing called Christianity, this thing called faith in Jesus, this thing called attending and, and being a part and participating in a church. How, how did, there's a lot of people out there that are curious about, like how in the world, like how in the world did you get into that? The Bible says that we're to give an answer for this question. And the answer for the question is obviously the grace of God. Somehow God intervened in our lives by his grace and he connected the dots and we know that our life is not without purpose and we know that everything that happens to us has something by way of God's hand in it. We have this faith. Even when we suffer, even when life isn't working out the way in which we would want it to, we have, we have this understanding through scripture that God is still in it. He's doing something. He's building a story. He's building a testimony. And so, that fifth thing that we do is we go. And, and wherever it is that we go, we represent Jesus. We represent our faith. And we look for those opportunities. So here at the bridge, we're a church that gathers, groups, grows, gives, and goes. That's what we do. That's how we built this beautiful, beautiful church. And that's what we're committed to. So I'm going to be taking you through each one of those, week after week after week after week. And you'll, you'll get a better understanding as to how we work. There's a lot of intentionality. There's a lot of purpose, a lot of design. There's a lot of meaning. And we're going to be breaking that out for you week after week in the next number of weeks. So let's pray. Let's pray. As we begin this journey, let God be God. Let him do something special in our lives. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We're so grateful for this day of celebration, this day of recognition. We see your fingerprints all over it. We, we, we sense your presence in us as your church. 
Father, in Jesus' name, as we honor you through these five Gs, all about being us together, I pray, Father God, that you would pour out your spirit and people would be truly transformed in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.